0: For there are three that testify, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So on Thursday of this week, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension, Thursday because that's exactly 40 days after Easter Sunday which as Luke in the book of Acts records is the day on which Jesus uh, stepped sort of went outside of the city walls of Jerusalem and with his disciples among him ascended into heaven and it says the clouds covered him from sight and then angels appeared and said why are you looking up into heaven the son of man will come again in the same way that you saw him go that happened 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. And the ascension is the end of Jesus' visible ministry. For now, right? Until he comes again, when it will be visible again. Uh, But it was the end of his visible ministry. Certainly, Jesus uh, still appeared in mysterious ways after the ascension, most famously to St. Paul, right? On the road to Damascus. So Jesus has shown himself from time to time, but his visible ministry ended with the ascension. I keep saying this word visible, right? Hopefully to stick out because, of course, his ministry didn't end. It is just now invisible. Jesus is still ministering on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. And this is the theme of the great book of, the he- of Hebrews, right? Uh, that Jesus is there interceding for us, but also through his Holy Spirit, And through his church, in in many many ways, Jesus is still ministering, but it's invisible. His visible ministry ended with the ascension. And in drawing his ministry, sort of his visible ministry, to a conclusion, it rightly prompts a sort of looking back at like, well, where have we been? What's happened from the beginning to this point? And that's exactly what we see Peter giving voice to in what we heard in the reading from Acts this morning, right? They look at the, they're thinking, we've got to fill Judas's space, like the, the 12 have been cut down to 11 because of Judas's betrayal, and they needed to fill that office. And what Peter says in Acts chapter 1, verse 22, we need someone who's been with us from the baptism of John until the day when he, is taken up, when he was taken up from us, which when Peter said that was just a couple days before, right? So that's why we have this reading today. So, Peter's saying that in order to join this ministry of apostleship, of eyewitnessing, eyewitnesses to Jesus, it has to be someone who's there from the beginning of the ministry, and it did begin with the baptism, right? Before Jesus was baptized, he just remained in obscurity, working silently and quietly as a carpenter uh, in Galilee. But with the baptism, his ministry kicks off with a bang. All this teaching and miracles and traveling throughout Judea, um, culminating, of course, in his death on a cross which we remembered on Good Friday which was not the end but three days later he was raised from the dead his body transformed into a glorious eternal body and then for 40 days he continued to minister to his people And then he ascended into heaven. So that's the full scope of Jesus' ministry, which we track with every church year after church year so that we don't miss a drop, right? So that of the whole thing of Jesus' wonderful ministry, we don't overlook any piece of it because he's revealing something about who he is and the salvation that he offers us every step of the way, from his incarnation through his baptism, the whole ministry, and ultimately you know, Easter week as the, the crown of it all. I say all that because we need to have all that in view to understand this very rather cryptic passage in St. John's letter, which is where I really actually want to focus this morning. And I encourage you to uh, pull out your bulletin, if you don't have it open, to page 9, because this is one of these passages where you read it once and you're like, what is going on here? (laughs) At least I did uh, when I read it in preparation for this week. And I want to sort of unpack, because I think John is actually saying some very profound things that with just a little bit of work we can understand quite readily. Um, But but all this language of water and blood and spirit and testimonies, um, it all comes to bear for us today. So John is describing, I I began with verse 7 and 8, the three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. When he names the water and the blood, has things that testify to who Jesus is and what he's done. I think It's most credible that he's talking about the sort of key junctures in Jesus' ministry. When he says water, I'm convinced, along with a decent body of scholarship and historical interpretation, that he's talking about Jesus' baptism. the the, the water is sort of a code, almost like this sort of condensed way of saying, the water, that day of water, the day when the heavens were torn open, as all the Gospels record, and a a, a form of a dove descended, and they heard the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. That was a pretty definitive revelation to begin Jesus' ministry, right? He didn't sort of slowly unfold things like, okay, keeping your guessing, like from the very beginning, He's saying, here he is, God is showing himself. This is the Son of God uh, with perfect clarity. So that day stands out in the minds of an eyewitness. John was one of the eyewitnesses. As Wow, that day God showed us a lot about who he was and what he's doing in the person of his Son. So he says the water, that baptism day of Jesus, testifies to who Jesus is. The beginning of the ministry... Revealed who Jesus is and what he's doing. Similarly, the end of his ministry, the blood, I think is John's way of saying the day when Jesus shed his blood, the day when he was killed on the cross, Good Friday, that that day also showed us something tremendous about Jesus and who he was. Kind of in, in several ways, remember there was a lot of extraordinary natural phenomena that happened. I shouldn't say natural phenomena. Things that happened in in creation when Jesus was killed. The Gospel writers record that the sky was blackened, that there were earthquakes, that the temple and the curtain tore in two. Matthew records that dead people just kind of sprang out of their graves and wandered around for a few days. I mean, like, it was a wild... There were a lot of external things verifying that this was not the death of any ordinary man. This was the death of the Son of God. And Jesus had spoken about it many, many times leading up to his actual death, right? And he all, every time he spoke of it, the, he revealed his reason for dying was so that he could draw all men to himself. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It was to save the world. So he gave the interpretation of what was happening on the cross before it happened. So what John's saying is, water, the, day of, the first day of Jesus' ministry, The last day of his mortal ministry, because of course it was transformed to be immortal when he was raised from the dead. The water testifies who Jesus is. The blood that he shed Good Friday testifies to who Jesus is. And these two things are objective things that, you know, even a Washington Post reporter could have recorded and written down and said, all this stuff happened. It really happened in history. It's objective. And John is reminding, because of course John's writing many decades after these events happened, he's reminding. The Christians that he's writing to, the things that you believe about Jesus are well grounded. Remember, there's these objective events, these things that happened that testify to the one in whom you believe. He's grounding the faith of the people he had in mind when he was writing to first and our faith in real, historical, credible events. Things that happened that you could ask any eyewitness. What happened? The sky tore open. (laughs) It was crazy. Uh, And that's what the the apostles bore witness to. That's why it was important for Peter when they were picking a substitute to take Judas' place. That they could have someone who saw it with their own eyes, who could say, I was there, a dove descended. (laughs) God spoke and revealed Jesus to be his son, someone who could be credible as an eyewitness, not just hearing it secondhand. So that's what John's doing for us today, is he's reminding us that our faith is well grounded on historic events that actually happened, the water and the blood. But those are only two things in his list, right? He also names the spirit. There are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. And John sort of makes a point out of the fact that there's three, right? He's referencing how in the Old Testament it says that um, the testimony of a witness shall be established with three witnesses. And so he's saying, look, in human things we, we need three witnesses for, to verify that something happened. We have three witnesses, three things that make it sort of a, a lockdown, closed case. The jury has decided uh, that, that Jesus really is who he said he was. And these things, this is really good news and really is our salvation. And he says the third thing is the Spirit. And this is actually sort of the heart of what I want to sort of share with you this morning, is that when John names the Spirit as one of the things that testifies to Jesus, he's actually shifting gears from sort of objective history, things that a reporter could have recorded, and he's speaking about the common experience that all Christians have had of the Holy Spirit. Experience that I know in conversation with many of you, you have had. That actually the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the fact that in your heart, if you know that Jesus is real and that when you pray you're not just talking to the air, you're talking to the risen Jesus, that deep knowledge, and it is deeper than sort of just rational knowledge, that is also a testimony that Jesus is real. I think this sounds maybe slightly strange to our ears because we think unless you can like point to it and take a photo of it, you know, in our day and age we're kind of skeptical of inner subjective kind of testimonies. But what God is saying through his servant John is we shouldn't undervalue that. that. The Holy Spirit in our hearts actually confirms subjectively what is objectively true about Jesus. So there's history, there's water and there's blood. Water pouring on Jesus, blood pouring out of him and the Holy Spirit in our hearts that at some deep level just knows that this is true, that Jesus really does exist. He really is our risen Lord. And this is where I kind of want to hone in this morning because I find in my life, and I wonder if you don't too, as part of living in this sort of moment of our culture that we live in, I think we undervalue this testimony that we have, right? Right? I think when we try and share the faith with others my first impulse is to sort of try and point to like arguments or apologetics or different sort of ways of trying to sort of make it sound credible kind of objectively I can undervalue the fact that well actually no, I actually know I I do know Jesus is real he really did raise from the dead he really is present to us through his spirit and he really does hear our prayers I I would take that to the bank I would die before I would deny that truth I know that it's true I know that many of you have similarly walked with Jesus for many years, some of you, and that you know that Jesus is real. And I think we need to be a bit bolder in sharing that with others. Look, testimony is a real force to be reckoned with, that if you were speaking with an unbelieving friend and were to just say, look, as, as real as anything that I know, I know that Jesus is real. That's just a, a force to be reckoned with because they, they have to either... Reject you as an insane person, which none of you are insane, so that, that would be very hard to do. Or, or they have to accept it at some level and recognize that they're living away from that reality. So we don't need to have to have all these sort of external arguments or amazing knowledge of the scriptures, or you know, to be able to like win some debate, to be able to testify credibly to the faith. John is saying the fact that you have the Holy Spirit and all of you who've been baptized have the Holy Spirit. That, that is something to rely on and to say, yeah, I know Jesus is real because his spirit lives in me and confirms it. I just know as as real as this is real, as air is real. I know that Jesus is real. And we can put that testimony forward to others. The testimony, John sort of takes a few verses to get there. What is that testimony? He says in verse 11, this is the testimony All these things, they testify to a reality. What are they testifying to, verse 11? That God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. That's the testimony. Water, blood, the inner confirmation of the Holy Spirit. These things testify that Jesus really is saving us. He actually is giving us and will give us more fully when we die eternal life. John, I think, is saying... In a slightly sort of cryptic way at first, right? But he's just saying, it's all real. You can really trust this. And this is one of the things that sort of startled me. Today's Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. Um, Most of you know my mum died in January. Um, And one of the things that for the year or two leading up to her death that she would often kind of just blurt out, which was (laughs) wonderful, was, it's all real. She just kept saying that phrase because she had as you know, the things that she'd been testifying to her whole adult life. She became a Christian when she was 18. She'd been saying with her lips her whole life, Jesus saves us. When we die, we come before God and we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, whose mercy saves us. She'd been saying that her whole life. But then when death got nearer and nearer, it was like, oh yeah, those aren't just words. That's credible truth. And the Holy Spirit, like John's talking about, confirmed in her that's all real. And she would just keep saying, you know, on Sunday we'd talk about the sermon or we talk about the scriptures. She'd just say, man, this is all real. She just kept saying it over and over. Um, and I think that's kind of the spirit of what an elderly St. John is speaking in in his letter too. It's all real. Really trust this stuff. Don't think that you're holding on to some fancy or some fiction. Trust that this is all real. And we have credible testifiers to its reality. Water, blood, the Spirit, In this way, we're sort of looking ahead to next Sunday when we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit because it's Pentecost, the day when the Spirit fell on humankind for the first time. But for now, I just want to name just that one aspect of the the glorious ministry of the Holy Spirit that He does give us that, that certainty, that knowledge that we can take to the bank that it is all real. And so I'd ask you this morning, rhetorically, you don't have to answer, Do you know that it's real? Is what I'm saying making sense like, yeah, I know too. Or in your heart, is there a sense of, I don't know if it's real. Um, It's okay if that is how you feel. What I strongly encourage you to do is is right now look at verse 15. We know that he hears us in whatever he asks. We know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. If you don't know that you know that you know that Jesus is real, ask God to give you that certainty, to give you a knowledge, a supernatural, spiritual, capital S, spiritual knowledge of who he is and of his reality. Come in, brother, come in. Um, Ask God for for that knowledge. He will give it to you. That's what Jesus himself promises as well. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, I promise I will give it to you. If you ask for gifts of the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you so if you do know that Jesus is real give credit where credit is due thank god the holy spirit for giving you that knowledge include that in your praises this morning if you don't know that it's real ask him to make to give you that knowledge to give you that certainty and that confidence and, and treasure and prize it and share it with the world it's something it is a force to be reckoned with it's how the apostles how 12 lowly uneducated fishermen, most of them fishermen, changed the world. They didn't come, as Paul says, with fancy arguments or incredible philosophies or whatever. They just came with testimony. They just said, I know, Jesus is real. And people listened and many of them believed. And I think it's the same thing for us. We make it far too complicated about how to share the faith or what it involves. We just need to give our testimony, like the apostles, to join their voice and say, there is a God, the Spirit, and he's, I just know in my heart of hearts that Jesus is the Lord, that He eternal life is found in him and he is freely offering it to us now and every day so that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is glorified in our lives. Amen.